Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, 40 episodes. How are you doing? 40 episodes. Crazy. <laughs> I can't believe we've done this 40 times or we're about to do this 40 times. This is so exciting. That's 40 cocktails, Brian. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's true. Although early on, we did record one that did, uh, didn't take. So I guess this uh, is our 40th, maybe 41st. I don't know for sure. But yeah, it's a pretty exciting milestone to hit for sure. Yes, it is very exciting. I'm super excited. And what better than a movie that feels like it's 40 years old? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's it's pushing 40 years old, uh, just like we are, I'm afraid. But uh, to celebrate the uh, 40th episode coming up, what did you do this week? Did you do anything uh, exciting or drink anything good? Or what did, what did you get up to? What did I get up to? I went um, to your house uh, and spent mm-hmm. some time at the lake, which was amazing. It's yeah. still real hot here in the South. And so that True. was yeah. lovely. Um, had some great cocktails there, had this amazing jungle, uh, milk punch thing that you made. Um, yeah, everybody needs to stop what they're doing. Go listen to that episode of the pod. And while you're, you know, ruminating over Candyman, uh, getting $23 million, you should definitely make that milk punch. It's so good. Um, yes. And yeah. Let's see. Didn't see much. I'm still, uh, well, I, I take that back. I watched, I watched and finished Coda, which you had recommended oh, last mm-hmm. week. And I have to say that is amazing. And, yes. um, I started, I'm almost done. I think I've got like half of one episode left of wild, wild country, which is a documentary about the Bagwan Risha niche. I'm going to say that incorrectly, but it's a, I guess now they're calling it a cult that built a town or took over a town in Oregon. And it's really crazy uh, that it happened and it was real. And yeah, it's exciting. If you like um, kind of true crime-ish, cult-ish documentaries, I highly recommend it. It is, um, I believe it's on Netflix. So, Okay. Y'all have to uh, take a look for that one because we're uh, you know, kind of running out of stuff here, but as movies are starting to pick up, we're starting to see a little bit more stuff. So I watched The Green Knight uh, over the weekend, uh, rented that, watched it at home, uh, was excellent. Uh, it was really good. Um, it's beautiful looking. The sound is great. The way they kind of tell this uh, poem through the story, it's uh, really well done. So I definitely recommend checking that out if you can get out to the theater and see it or you're able to uh, rent that one at home. So, uh, check that one out and, uh, yeah, saw that. And otherwise just been, you know, just been kind of, you know, reminiscing about the good old days, uh, thinking about like high school reunions. Uh, Michaela, did you uh, ever go to a high school reunion? I didn't, I think I'm in this really tough part of life where most of our reunions are now on social media. So like we mm. know exactly what's happening to Bob from high school. Like, yeah, that's true. It's like, Oh, and our, our crush. Now we can fully see how he turned out to not be a crush and turned into kind of a, I don't know, a mid-grade car salesman with like <laughs> beer stains on his belly and all that. So I, yeah. I don't know if that really, I, I think that my high school, which was a 
high school called communications arts, uh, whoop, whoop, fighting arrows. Um, I think that they had a real 20th reunion, um, but I did not go because I could see all the people I wanted to on social media. So I didn't do that, but, um, I don't know. Have you, do you go back to Ohio? Cause I think that's where you went to high school, right? Yeah, no, I've not been back. I think we've only had one reunion and we were living, um, in uh, Europe at the time. So that commute was not quite worth it. And like you said, you're able to kind of keep up with people more or less on social media. So they don't seem to be quite as big of a deal as they were for, you know, generations past. But I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that happens at reunions, though. You get to see your old friends, uh, your missed loves, uh, your ex-husbands might show up, you know, out right. of blue. Um, oh, yeah, and then, that sounds like a great time. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes you like pass out in front of the whole school, you know, all sorts of good stuff at high school reunions. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if that's going to happen, especially after you're crowned prom king or queen, um, we're going to need to do a cocktail as soon as we wake up because that that's a must. And especially if you wake up and you're like, it's like 30 or 25 years earlier, right? Exactly. Yeah. We just need that uh, cocktail and we'll be all set to go. So I have just the one. All right, perfect. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we will make up just the one and we'll be right back. This week's cocktail is called the Peggy Sue and it came from a, pay, a website called Bar Notes. Um, but when I, we've gone to revisit it, it looks like it's kind of out of commission. I'm getting that 404 error code mm-hmm. uh, yep. going on. So um, I don't know if you as an audience are going to be able to find it, but we Uh, did go ahead and save the recipe and we're going to talk about it right now and it will definitely be on our show notes. Uh, So if it sounds awesome, you want to give it a shot. Um, The great thing about this is it, it made use of the bottle of green chartreuse that we, uh, that we purchased for earlier in the podcast uh, for a couple episodes away or a couple episodes ago. So that's very exciting. So it's very herbally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We got that bottle. I believe was for uh the better off dead episode. Um, so yeah, we all here at uh, drink the movies. We like to do our best to, if we are going to make you go out and buy a bottle of very expensive liquor, we're going to try to use that as many times as possible. So you get your money's worth out of it. Um, and this one, uh, uses that and it uses some other stuff. That's uh, pretty herbally. This is an, this is an herbal forward, uh, drink Michaela. Yes. It's very herbally, very herbal forward. Exactly. I love that instead of fruit forward. Um, it's, it's very good. So one of the things that we also had to do kind of from scratch here, and I say we as the royal we, I really mean Brian because he's awesome. Uh, yep. Brian, Thank you me. actually made this cucumber infused dry vermouth. So the, mm-hmm. the recipe, the recipe, wow. The recipe calls for a, a cucumber dry vermouth. We looked and looked, neither one of us could find it. So what we did, uh, well, we being Brian is you chopped up some cucumber and you set it in the dry vermouth that was of our, of your choice. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So it calls for a half ounce of this cucumber dry vermouth. And, um, like Michaela mentioned, this website was kind of out of commission by the time we went back to look at it again. Uh, so I'm not sure if that had any sort of clarification on it, but did some Google searching and I couldn't really find anything about, uh, any sort of cucumber dry vermouth. So I just decided to, uh, I cut up like four or five, just slices of cucumber, put it in a Mason jar with like a cup of the uh, dry vermouth that I usually use and just let that set overnight to kind of infuse the cucumber into it. And then just strained that off when, 
uh, it came time to make the cocktail. So uh, that's how we came up with that. You could probably skip that. You do get a lot of cucumber, uh, you know, kind of on the nose. It's It smells uh, really cucumbery and delicious. But if you wanted to skip that step, you could probably just uh, get by with the dry vermouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that um, all the ingredients that we do and the homemade stuff that we do doesn't take too, too long, um, mm. except for the milk punch. That was kind of serious. But this is really nice. And if you're going to do this, you could do it in a batch, right? So if you are in love with like cucumber martinis and you want more cucumber than what a Hendrix mm-hmm. would provide in a martini, you could definitely just infuse some dry vermouth. I know we had talked about simple syrups and we always talk about flavored vodkas and rums and things, but I hadn't thought about infusing dry vermouth. So this part mm-hmm. of it is really interesting. So it's half an ounce of that. It's an ounce of Lillet Blanc which I had a bottle, I guess I bought one a million years ago and I had never opened it. Yeah. I don't even know why I bought it for. What is Lillet Blanc, Brian? Uh, so it's um, just like an aperitif, uh, white wine. So it's very much kind of in the realm of like these uh, fortified uh, white wines, but uh, it kind of herbally has a lot of uh, different uh, nuanced notes to it. You would normally just drink it as like a little, uh, you know, kind of, aperitif. So just, uh, you know, like an ounce or two of it before your dinner to get your stomach ready for the meal that's about to come, or you can put it in this cocktail. And there we go. Uh, and then there's an ounce of bowls, Jennifer gin. Now we, uh, couldn't find bowls. We looked, uh, around and so we use something else instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just used, um, I believe Tangeray was the, yes. the gin that we used, but yeah, we weren't able to, uh, find the, uh, old Jennifer there, which is like a Dutch, um, uh, gin. Yeah. And so, uh, you add all this to half an ounce of green chartreuse, which was lucky because we had some. And, um, so you mix all that together and then you pour it in a glass with some ice, uh, and you garnish it with a lime wedge Mm -hmm. and you drink it because it's real good. It, it was real good. Now the, so we use like a big, like ice ball, um, in ours. So the first couple of drinks was really strong. Chartreuse is uh, high ABV alcohol as is uh, gin. Um, and then you have the kind of two vermouths. So it's, it's really boozy up front, but as the ice kind of started to melt, um, it mellowed out and played, um, really nicely with all those, uh, herbal aromatic flavors and then you'd get like that punch of like cucumber on your nose as you're uh drinking it but yeah this one this one went down uh really good i wasn't sure what to expect with it because there are kind of some um you know not necessarily ingredients that weren't well known but just ones that i wasn't super familiar with in having in in cocktails so i wasn't sure how they'd play together but yeah I, i like this one quite a bit yeah i was a little concerned too um because I am not a huge fan of licorice and I don't even know if it was really licorice-y because I know when we did Better Off Dead, it was very, the drink was very, very licorice-ish because we had the Mm -hmm. chartreuse, but we also had um, absinthe in it, right? Which has a licorice taste. So I was Mm -hmm. expecting it to really punch me in the face with the licorice. And you're right. The first couple of sips are, are a little tough um, because it is very boozy, but by the end, I was ready for a second one. I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, and I, it was exciting to me because again, I, you know, it's so pretty. It was a really um, 
with the cucumber kind of smell to it and it it looks nice in a glass we again we used uh instead of a bunch of ice cubes we used an ice ball but it was it was tasty and i think that if you are into kind of these really herbal forward drinks um this is this is going to be something you're going to want to try yeah definitely if you like that style of cocktail and want to try something you know kind of unique and different um uh, flavor-wise, uh, give this one a try. I'd uh, recommend it. So, Michaela, we have our Peggy Sue's made. Why don't we uh, go back in the time machine and we will uh, get into this uh, high school reunion, go on, go on uh, time hopping, I guess. So, uh, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back. Spoiler warning for Peggy Sue Got Married. If you've not yet seen Peggy Sue Got Married, pause right now go make yourself a peggy sue maybe put on a prom dress maybe faint and go back 25 years to meet your ex-boyfriend or ex-husband come back and we can chat about it yeah absolutely so uh if you haven't seen it you can go watch it it's available on stars so that's where i watched it so that's where you can go watch it too uh but Peggy Sue Got Married came out in 1986. It was directed by a gentleman named Francis Ford Coppola, who you may have heard of. Um, yeah. And this one's and this one stars Kathleen Turner as Peggy Sue. Um, it also stars Catherine Hicks, Joan Allen, and a, a couple of up-and-comers, Michaela. Oh, yeah. So this is one of Nicolas Cage's first films, uh, which we're going to talk a lot more about. Uh, Jim Carrey. This was one of his first films, if not his very first feature film. And uh, Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt is a baby in this film. She's like 21 years old. She's so young. Um, it took me, I don't know, I've seen this a couple of times and I didn't realize it was her until uh, this time watching it. So that's exciting. Yeah, you you instantly know that it's someone you recognize, but it's hard to place because yeah, she's uh, so young in this. So yeah, this yeah, is also I... one of the last films uh, that John Carradine was in. Um, he actually... Uh, died and passed in 1988 and uh leon ames which who was very famous uh in for older films um he was in it as well so it's got a lot of stars in it um i mean i don't know if it's because of francis ford coppola's name i think that that i would i would i would have to to do with it (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, uh, if uh, if someone if your agent comes to you and you're like, oh, we want to make a comedy about, you know, going to your high school reunion and then uh, you pass out and there's time travel. You know, some people might be skeptical. But if then if they also mention that Francis Ford Coppola is directing it, then maybe you say, well, OK, uh, that's the Godfather right. guy. Right. Maybe I could do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, so this film, a little bit about the product pre-production. So this was supposed to be slated as Jonathan Demme's uh, directorial film. He was going to be directing it. And. Uh, then it uh, moved to Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall was going to be directing it. And so when Penny Marshall was slated to direct it, Deborah Winger was actually going to play uh, the, the lead character of Peggy Sue rather than Kathleen Turner. Um, and so a bunch of this all changed, right? Everything changes as far as schedules and stuff in, in the world of Hollywood. So um, what we got was Kathleen Turner, who actually got her one and only Oscar nomination for this film. Uh, mm-hmm. This film ha- also was nominated for um, Best Costume and I think Best Art Design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nominated for the the three awards there, CIAC, for Kathleen Turner, um, then Cinematography and Costume Design. Cinematography, which totally makes sense because 
you can see in the opening scene, um, it's does the one of the things that this film does super well, and I have not seen probably anywhere before, is this um, kind of view of going through a mirror, which is great because it feels kind of like an Alice through the looking glass kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. But it starts with uh, Peggy Sue uh, in 1985, and she is in her 40s. Um, she's putting, a, you know, she's looking at a TV commercial with uh, some crazy person talking, uh, mm-hmm. she's trying to sell stuff. He's shouting at the TV, much like that. I guess that worked in the mid 80s. Um, yeah. And she's doing her makeup, putting it on, looking in a mirror. And you notice that she's looking at herself in the mirror. And all of these things are happening. Um, like a girl is behind her talking to her while she's looking at this. Um, her, 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 the, her daughter is there and she's watching the TV and trying to get her mom to look away from the mirror. And you realize that there's no way that this could be filmed um, if it's a real mirror. It just is very surreal because the mm-hmm. camera is right where the mirror kind of should be. Um, yep. And maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but it's a very, very cool effect. And they use it a couple times in um, in this film. So I'm so glad that the cinematography was given a nod for these choices because it's very cool. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's a couple of um, uh, pretty uh, neat scenes and just the way that they have to block things when uh, they get to this high school reunion. But yeah, the movie gets started up. There's like this TV infomercial thing going on. There's this guy's yelling into the TV, like you said. Um, and Peggy is there putting her makeup on, getting dressed. And uh, her daughter is there. And, you know, she's saying, uh, look, dad's on TV. Um, and we find out, you know, that they're uh, they're apparently mad at each other. We're going to find out later that they're divorced or in the process of getting divorced. And Peggy's uh, getting ready for her reunion. Uh, now she just so happens to be wearing, I guess, her prom dress or something from when she was in high school. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. But yeah, getting ready to go to this uh, reunion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's kind of weird because she's excited. Her hair is in like this bubble flip. Um, so it's very 60s style. And she's putting on this. It looks like her prom dress, but it's very, very shimmery. It looks like almost like she's a very big fluffy baked potato if you don't mind me <laughs> saying i'm not i'm not a fashionista she looks fine but it's you know she's got the this big fluffy um very poofy slip underneath it's not like a hoop skirt because we're not in the 1800s but it, you know it's very 50 style where there's tons mm-hmm. and tons of tool underneath to make it very poofy and and they end up getting to the class reunion it's i guess at the old high school um it, you know there's a big hall and everybody's kind of looking at peggy sue like oh how cute that you dressed up like the 60s and Peggy Sue's automatically embarrassed by it because she thought it would be a really cute idea, but apparently nobody else thinks that. And they're all wearing normal clothes, um, looking like they're, you know, older people in the the Mm -hmm. 80s. Um, We get introduced to a lot of her high school friends, right? Um, People that maybe she's still friends with and people that she's not. um, Mm -hmm. One of which is Maddie. Maddie is um, uh, one of the friends. She married her high school sweetheart. Um, there were, uh, two of her, two girlfriends of hers, Maddie and Carol, Carol did not marry her high school sweetheart. Her high school sweetheart is played by Jim Carrey. Apparently Jim Carrey grew up to be a dentist. 
um, and they mm -hmm. like to do, I think it's cocaine. I'm not sure what it is. They're snorting it in a bathroom. So yeah. they're doing, they're, they're, don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's not good. We don't condone that here. Um, but they're not married. Uh, she, I guess, went and saw her fortune and never got married and have no, has no kids and uh, is kind of living the dream. And so uh, she and the, the, the dentist uh, find a place to, to do some drugs, but there's lots of pictures mm -hmm. in the front area where there there's all, they're all obviously all in black and white. And you see, you know, Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue's daughter's looking at her mom as a, um, a baton twirler on the baton twirling team. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's tons of pictures of her and her soon to be ex-husband, Charlie. And so, yeah. you know, she's very reminiscent, right. Of this whole relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes. She's meeting all of her, all of her friends and they're kind of asking uh, her about, you know, how her life is going, uh, you know, just, just catching up, reminiscing a little bit, looking at these pictures. Um, but she ends up telling them that, you know, Charlie's not going to be there because uh, we're getting divorced. Uh, the friend group, you know, is kind of wandering around through these pictures. Uh, they're looking at a, uh, a strapping young lad by the name of Michael Fitzsimmons in one of these pictures. And they're all kind of, you know, reminiscing about, you know, how, uh, how this guy was the one that got away. I guess he did, uh, uh, uh he passed on, I think before the, no, no, he, he, they had said, and they talk about it. The, the three girls are kind of all giggly with, um, with another woman and there they mentioned that he is on a book tour and so he is not able to come and they they tracked him down but he wasn't coming but who did make it was um kind of the class nerd his name was richard norvick mm -hmm. and he apparently has kind of come back and he's fairly newly married his wife is expecting she's quite pregnant in the in the show and so uh, and Peggy kind of befriends her and invites her kind of into this clique of girls where she's kind of explaining, you know, this is the way everything was. And, you know, Richard did not enjoy high school. He was bullied a lot and he's come back to kind of, I don't know if it's to no, rub it in people's faces, but he has made a lot of money uh, mm -hmm. doing some scientific stuff. He's made a lot of inventions and he has done very, very well. And there's a really great exchange that you hope happens to every nerd who makes it out of this horrible situation <laughs> and being bullied, right? Where this right. dude comes up to him and he's like, hey, I know I remember you. Here's my card. I'm mean, I sell insurance and there's nothing wrong with selling insurance. But, you know, he apparently called him a bunch of names as a, you know, in high school and made fun of him. And Richard's never really forgotten it. But this guy has totally forgotten it and is now trying to, like, make a connection um, so it just kind of goes to show you kind of goes to show you that once you're a jerk, I guess you always are a jerk. I don't know, but mm -hmm. it was really nice to see that Richard could be, you know, uh, could kind of come back and show people that he's, you know, he's, he's being interviewed and he says, every dog has their day, you know, every, everybody has their time and this yeah. is my time, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> cool. That's right. Yeah. So, so he's here, you've, you've met kind of this whole crew of her, you know, high school friends and acquaintances and things. And, uh, you know, she ends up going with, uh, Richard to have a dance and catch up a little bit, but about that time, Charlie, uh, comes in, who's uh, played by very young, uh, Nicholas Cage. And that is the soon to be, uh, ex-husband. Apparently they've had some, uh, marital problems for quite a while. They dated in high school, but, um, you know, just over time, they've kind of grown apart, I guess. And, uh, he's had some affairs, uh, not been uh, treating her particularly well. He's uh, been working at this electronic or 
this uh, appliance shop, I guess, um, which is what we'd seen him on TV kind of hawking the wares for um, in the, the first scene there. Uh, but he comes in and I, <laughs> so that kind of forces uh, Peggy into a corner. She's kind of hiding behind a, a curtain. She doesn't want to get seen by her uh, soon-to-be ex-husband at this place, right? She's about ready to uh, crawl into a hole and, uh, you know, just get out of this whole situation. But she's not going to be able to. She's about ready to get put on display in front of the whole school. Yeah. Yeah, she's sitting She's sitting there and trying to stay away from Charlie. And he kind of, he's giving her a look and she's not, she's trying to ignore him. Um and it's about time for them to reannounce, I guess, the re-king and queen of the prom. Now, it's important to note that uh, Peggy Sue and Charlie were prom queen and king back in the day. Um, and there's mm-hmm. a picture of them as prom queen and king back in the day. Um, so everyone's kind of wondering what how that's going to work because <laughs> they don't seem to be speaking. Um, but a, a girl named Rosalie uh, kind of... Uh, rolls up she's in a wheelchair and she rolls up to the table to kind of talk to them and she mentions um the locket that uh, peggy sue is wearing and says mm-hmm. oh i remember the day you got that locket that was you were so proud you were showing it to everybody and um she opens it up and it's her two children scott and beth and beth is the daughter obviously that's come with her and been her plus one and it's mm-hmm. about that time that um Maddie's husband is on the, uh, you know, he's, I guess he's part of the welcoming committee and he announces that Peggy Sue uh, and Richard Norvick have now been crowned the king and queen of prom. So a couple of things happen all at once here. So Richard Norvick is immediately uh, kind of vindicated as being the king of, of, of the world. Right. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, everybody's just kind of kissing his butt the whole time. They're like, Oh, it's so great. Um, Peggy Sue never did that because she always treated him well. Um, so she's not um, kind of f- falling down on his knees. She's, she's more concerned that now she has to get up in front of all these people. Um, <laughs> right. And then of course her ex-husband, Charlie is, seems to be kind of devastated that he wasn't crowned prom king again because i guess he thought that he would and so there's a scene there's a shot in the back where um beth is you know hugging her dad kind of being sad you know (laughs) kind of in the back while everybody else is up there cheering peggy and richard on so um but peggy you know she's very emotional she gets up there she's kind of doing this breathing crying thing Mm -hmm. Uh, kathleen turner is just amazing in this role um, and she says, thank you. And someone gives her these roses and people are clapping and people are singing. Of course, they're, they're singing, singing Peg- the Peggy Sue song. They're singing. Yeah. The, uh, buddy Holly Peggy Sue song. They're like wailing out a cake, but you can, you can just tell she's about ready to hyperventilate. Um, you know where this is going. Uh, and she does, she passes out right there on the stage. She's going to be okay though. Cause she's going to wake up, um, in the high school gymnasium. Uh, someone's there, uh, appears as though she might've passed out. Uh, donating blood because she wakes up not at her uh, high school reunion. She wakes up at a blood drive uh, back like 30 years prior, back when she was a senior in high school. Yeah. And uh, she's real confused. I mean, they, they want to give her a Twinkie. Apparently, Brian, they had Twinkies in 1960. So that's, yeah. uh, I don't know if that's scary or wonderful, but um, <laughs> there's a nurse and she's like, would you like your Twinkie now? And she's like, what are you talking about? And then of course, Charlie comes in and Charlie is young, right? He's He looks way different than he did um, at the reunion. Um, he's still got these weird teeth. Side note, Nicolas Cage totally uh, made 
uh, himself where he put in these fake teeth to give himself like an overbite. And he had this very strange accent that he came up with all on his own. So if you watch this and you're wondering what's happening, we don't know. Okay. It was a, <laughs> I will say uh, I'll give a uh, young Nicholas cage props for leaning into this. Cause he has, yeah, he has this super like nasally uh, kind of delivery, but I'll say that it wanes over the course of the film. Like right. he seems less dedicated to doing it by the end of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, you, you had a lot of things to work with. I, I get it, whatever. Um, it's still an amazing film, but yeah, it, it, it's, it is kind of strange. So he kind of is teasing Peggy Sue. She thinks she's dead. Um, quite literally yeah. she, and he is pretending to be a vampire and he's like, ah, I'm going to suck the Twinkie blood, blah, blah. And, um, and then all of a sudden his two friends that are now also like 18 show up. They were not 18 a minute ago. They were all in their forties. And so she's very confused. Um, but her two girlfriends, Maddie and, uh, Carol. Yeah. Yes. Um, Maddie and Carol, they end up, um, taking her into the bathroom. She starts staring at, at herself in the bathroom. They try to perk her up with some water. Um, you get to meet, you know, there was a total busybody in the present day that you get to meet as like, at like a 17 year old um, who's still a total busybody and not very nice. And she has, uh, her dress looks very different. It's the same cut, but it's very muted. It's not this shiny baked potato-y looking <laughs> aluminum foil uh, mm-hmm. dress anymore. Um, yep. And so she's like, I don't know what's going on. And she notices that her locket is missing. And so she's like, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening. So they, they decide to go ahead and drive her home. Yeah. They think she's just not feeling well from having given blood, but, but really it's that she woke up in the past. She doesn't know what's going on, but they offer to give her a ride home. So they go outside. Um, and now we're back in the, I guess the 1960s. So everyone's car looks freaking amazing. Um, they get into like this convertible, uh, drive her home. Uh, she gets there. She meets, she meets her mom, uh, uh, which is which is nice, I guess. Uh, she's pretty excited about that, and she goes up into her uh, bedroom, and her younger sister gets home from school and comes up to see her. Um, and her name is Nancy, and she is played by Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, aka Sophia Coppola, aka the director of Lost in Translation and Amazing at Everything. But she plays her sister. Um, one of the things I was confused about is she seems so overwhelmed to see her, um, but I don't know if they ever really uh, kind of address that so i don't know if we're supposed if if nancy was supposed to have maybe maybe died or something or yeah uh, like they were like in like ex excommunicado i don't i don't know but she is like so overwhelmed to see her like it made me think that there was maybe something more to that that never got addressed but yeah there are a couple things um so when at, at the beginning during the reunion there's a woman like i said her name's caroline I, or sorry her name is rosalie and she is in a wheelchair and they make note of it right so it's not something that just mm-hmm. happens in passing so you don't know if you know later you you never see rosalie again and i think in the original script um, because she's goes back, she is back in time. She tries to help Rosalie um, not be in a horrible accident that ends up, you know, creating this situation that she finds herself in. But you're right. I mean, with Nancy, she is so excited to see her, but she just says, you know, there've been a lot of unresolved relationships in my life and I want us to be closer and I, I can do something about it. And it's such a beautiful scene. It, um, Kathleen Turner totally reminds me of my mom on a good day when mm-hmm. I watch this. And when she's like super excited like that to see her sister, it reminds me of when my mom would 
see her sisters after not seeing them for years. Now, my mom had horrible relationships, not horrible. My mom had very, very dramatic relationships with all her family. But every time she saw them from the first time, she would like do the same thing. She'd be like, Nancy, and like give them a big hug and it would be amazing. So it just... It's one of my favorite scenes when she sees Nancy, because you're right. You're like, is she so excited because she's lost her? Or is it because she has the opportunity to like fix whatever was broken or like the, just the not closeness. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, Nancy is still, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, um, but she's quite, she's in her young teens, do you think? Um, And she does a lot of annoying stuff. So it's, we don't see much more of this magnanimous kind of, relationship over the yeah. course of the movie um yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right that's right they have kind of this uh quick reunion upstairs in the bedroom and then uh kind of transitions they're downstairs watching tv and um you know peggy sue's like i don't know what's going on but i could use a drink so she just goes over it's like the wet bar and uh you know pulls herself some of her uh, dad's whiskey uh which is which is funny to think if if you were you know magically transformed back to like your senior year of high school that's the first thing I would want to do. Like, oh man, I need a, I need a beer or something right, yeah. right now. Cause I don't know what's happening. So going to definitely gonna be, my- yeah, I would definitely be dipping into that Franzia sunset blush that we had yeah. <laughs> in the box that was in the fridge. You know what I'm talking about, mom and dad. I totally would have had that snuggled up in my bedroom somewhere if this was happening to me. So the fact that she only has like a couple shots of whiskey is really yeah. not that big of a deal um, it, until dad it, gets home. I was going to say, I was going to say, it does kind of go right to her though, because about the time she finishes her drink, her dad gets home. Uh, he comes in excited to announce he's just bought a new car, um, goes outside and uh, she sees it. It's not quite a, quite the, uh, response he was uh hoping for uh from from her when she sees the uh make and model of this car yeah she's she keeps uh laughing in this very like oh kind of way um she's just like dad you're so funny you bought an edsel um and of course the mom is actually really terrified because um, she keeps saying we can't afford this car he has to take mm-hmm. it back you know nancy is being a young a teenager, tweenager, and is like honking the horn and moving all the gears and mom's freaking out. And the dad is looking at um, Peggy. He's like, this is not like you. What's going on? And she's still doing this oh, kind of laugh at, at the whole Edsel buying thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because that, car, if no one knows, Edsel was a make of car and it didn't last very long. So uh, if you bought one, that was a mistake um, at the time. So she, uh, but her dad is like, are you, are you okay? Have you been drinking? And I love <laughs> the way she responds. Cause she just says just a little, I've had a bad day. <laughs> and, yeah. And then she, she just doesn't, you know, like very adult. It's not something an eight-year-old would, or an 18 year old would say mm-hmm. to their dad. I don't think um, yeah. it's so great. And so of course she comes back in and rather than kind of plays it cool or goes upstairs, she goes right back to the liquor spot and like where the bottle of, of whiskey is and drinks another glass. Yeah. Yeah. She goes in and immediately pours herself uh, another glass. Um, and her dad's like, what are you, what are you doing? Get out, get out of there. You can't be drinking that. And he's like, I think, I think you're drunk. And she's like, no, I just gave blood today. And she's, and he's like, this is not giving blood. This is drunk. Um, and there's a bunch of these little like quippy, uh, kind of, uh, quirky lines 
throughout this film, which are just great. And that's uh, one of my favorites, but yeah, I guess. So she's, she's treating this. She thinks she's just having like a bad dream. Right. So she doesn't think that any of this is uh, really going on. So she's, you know, just uh, playing it like she's an adult, but next day they're having breakfast. Um, and, you know, she's trying to decide what to do. Right. She's uh she's a grown woman trapped, you know, in her 18 year old life, but she says, you know, I think I'll go to school today. Um, Charlie's going to show up to pick her up. He's driving the most amazing looking blue Cadillac I've ever seen. Uh, it's is so it awesome. Is it a Cadillac or is it an Impala? See, I don't I, know about cars back in that day, but. I think it was a Cadillac. I don't know. It's amazing looking. It's which, gorgeous. Whichever, whichever one it is, but. It's like uh, a soft top. I don't know why soft tops were like, I mean, I know why they were a thing, but apparently you could afford a soft top as a kid yeah. in high school back in the day. I don't know. Um, it, it, it's an amazing car. And of course he doesn't know how to drive it at all. So in the whole, in the whole drive, as they're talking about some nonsensical relationship stuff that we'll get into, um, you can see that he's not, he's not paying any attention. She's freaking out. She's like, we're all going to die. I'm going to die in this car. I forgot that you couldn't drive. Right. She doesn't remember. Uh, she didn't remember this, but you know, he's, having this conversation with her in the vehicle. And he's like, please, you know, I want to talk about what we talked about last week. And of course she doesn't remember because this is last week in 1960. So it was 25 years ago. So he's like, she's like, what, what, uh, what, what did we fight about? Was it house payments? (laughs) And he's like, what? And so apparently he has been bringing up this idea that they should see other people. And Mm -hmm. um, it used to really upset her 25 years ago, but now that they're on the brink of divorce and she's really mad at him because he's um, had an affair and ran off with somebody, she's like, no, you know, why, yeah, let's break up. Let's see other people. And he's got this plan where they break up right after graduation. They see other people, they quote unquote comparison shop, which I don't know how you do that with another human being, but whatever. And then (laughs) they find, you know, they choose each other and get married. And she's like, why wait? Let's just break up now. And of course he's like, well, our parents will be upset and we got the prom and we want to do all those things together. Right. And she's like, eh, do we, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She walks into school and, and the poor guy is just clueless. Poor Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Charlie, I guess. Um, but yeah, so they get to, they get to school. Um, they're, they're like in math class, there's a test. <laughs> and so she's just writing like nonsense and drawing pictures at her math test. Cause you know, she still doesn't think that this is real. Um, but then she goes to English class and, uh, they're talking about, uh, poetry. Um, and Michael's there, uh, being dark and moody in the back, you know, debating the teacher about the, uh, the merits of, uh, uh, I don't even remember who it was now. Hemingway. Um, Heming- yeah, Hemingway's uh, merits there as being a good writer or not. Um, but yeah, very, very uh, moody and brooding back there. Um, and then yeah. after class, they're at lunch and everyone's kind of there uh, goofing off all of her friends, all the kids that we met at the uh, reunion. Um, but Michael's kind of sitting off, uh, you know, to the side all alone over there. Yeah. So a couple of things about this, right? Did you ever, did you ever have a nightmare? that you were back in high school and you had a test and you hadn't studied for it. No. Cause I think that that scene where she's, <laughs> so there's that, that was awful... the, that was the reality of my actual tests. In high school, oh, was so it? I okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, I've had so many dreams. It's never math though, because I have a math degree. It's always science. It's like, we're going to have to balance like, you know, chemical equations or you're going to have to solve some physics, well, physics, I could probably do, but anyway, it's always something that I'm like, Oh, I don't remember any of that. So that is like my biggest nightmare, 
But okay. what she does is amazing. Like Mr. Snellgrove is her math teacher. And he's like, what's the meaning of this, Peggy Sue? And she's like, yeah, I am never going to use algebra. Like not one day. So <laughs> yeah. I feel I, I feel really fine just doing nothing. And everyone in the room is like, what? It's so awesome. And then of course, English class, right? Did you have like a broody, like super like... Uh, artsy person in your English class or were you that person because every class I feel like has one no I don't think we really had uh anyone like that no in my school not that much for me it was a it was a kid named Gordon if you're out there Gordon I still love you and you're awesome and arguing with the teacher I loved it so much where they were talking about um, the, you know, the facets of this poem and Hemingway, who's the predator and who's the writer and who's, you know, who's, oh, it's so good. And, um, of course, then there's this amazing, um, you know, kind of conversations that happen over lunch. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of goofing off. Jim Carrey does this amazing thing with his arm because he's double, he's double jointed that, you know, it made a huge splash on in living color, (laughs) but we saw it first here, ladies and gentlemen, on when Peggy Sue got married. Um, That's right. But she, you know, during the lunch scene, everybody's kind of talking to her, including Charlie uh, and Peggy Sue is trying to ignore Charlie and just give him the silent treatment because Mm -hmm. she, she's like, you know, I got to do this differently. I do so much differently if I could. Right. Um, And so this is her opportunity. And um, she also sees Peggy Sue also sees uh, Richard Norvik, who, if everybody remembers is the new prom King. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. he was rich and famous and did all these amazing things, but he's getting, you know, harassed and bullied by that same guy who was like selling, I <laughs> wanted to sell him life insurance before. And mm-hmm. so she, uh, she kind of stops what she's doing and she's going to, goes up to, to kind of, uh, stand yeah, she goes up him. to, yeah, she goes to kind of diffuse that situation and, uh, talk to Richard and she tells him that she wants to meet him after school and she'll, uh, tell him then when they get to the to the meeting that you know she wanted to talk to him because he's the smartest person that she knows but um but yeah so you're kind of kind of getting all these kids back together uh she goes through her school day a- after school she's at her baton practice we saw the picture of that at the uh high school reunion i uh, see michael there running track i guess he's uh good at track and good at reading uh literature um but while she's <laughs> yeah. while she's there at practice someone comes up uh, you know, kind of on the other side of this fence and it's Charlie. He wants to come and talk to her. He's a little, little concerned about the way the uh, conversation went that morning in the, uh, in the car. Right. Uh, maybe he didn't really want to see other people like he thought that he did now that she was on board with it. So. Yeah. I think he really just didn't want her to see other people. I think, you know, it's very much a, it's very different when the shoes on the other foot, right. When you want to be able to have the freedom to do that. That's great. But you got to turn about fair play. And he even tells her, he says, when I think about you dating other people, I just feel awful. And, and she, she, again, she feels completely vindicated. She's like, good. I want you to feel that way because she's probably felt that way, you know, for years now that you mm-hmm. know, he's, he's kind of been playing the field or whatever was going on at the end of their marriage. So, um, but yeah, she's, uh, She's she, the the costuming is so great too because I I don't know what club it is the batoning okay I my mom did that and um I wish she was alive so I could ask her I don't remember what the name of that club is but the costume for that is amazing it's it's mm-hmm. it's got this it's so iconic of like 1960s it's very different than the cheer costumes that we have today I just 
the costuming of this whole movie is amazing. I'm so glad it got a nod for this because uh, mm-hmm. of so many different pieces. But I, this I thought was really great because she had to like, she, she couldn't remember how to twirl the baton and how to like throw it up in the air hundreds of feet um, mm-hmm. like they did. And so they're kind of making fun of her. Her team is like, what's going on, Peggy Sue? And she's like, dudes, I don't remember any of this. Right? Um, yeah, and exactly. so it, Yeah, so she she finishes up her practice. She has her little conversation uh, with Charlie there. But yeah, she needs to go and talk to Richard. She needs to figure out how to wake up from this uh, bad dream that she's in. So she goes in, uh, she's talking to him. He's like making like this crazy looking kite. Um, she's like, that's some kite. And he says, well, I'm writing a book about kite construction. Uh, like it's completely normal. Um, it's almost like a light version of like Better Off Dead where just like these random like things are happening uh, almost. But uh, she kind of gets to the point of what she wanted to talk to him about. Um, and she says, is time travel possible? Um, and Richard's just like, well, yeah, of course it is. There's a couple of uh, theories, including one called Richard's Burrito, which is his own uh, sort of time travel thing. And it's basically that time will eventually like overlap and all the stuff in the middle is just whatever you decide to put in there. So yeah, like, uh, sound, sound it sounds memories or yeah. trigonometry. You could fill it with so much stuff, Brian. It's, yeah, it's it, so amazing. It sounds it sounds very plausible to me, but um yeah, I guess if if Richard, who, you know, is the genius of high school and goes on to be a, you know, an inventing genius uh, king of your uh, high school world, I guess, uh, if he says it's possible, then maybe it is. So definitely is. Um, she tries to tell him her experience of, you know, hey, she she thinks she's from the future. She came here from 25 years ago. And of course, he is understandably like, look, this isn't funny. I don't like being made fun of. Why are you doing this? Like mm-hmm. he, he, you know, went to see her after his rocket club, you know, he, you know, she's really done a lot to make it sound like she's his friend and he's really upset. And at first, um, you know, she doesn't know what to do, but then she uh, tells him about his own future and says, you know, you have a blind grandfather. You're going to invent this really cool invention that reads books for the blind. You're going to invent a bunch of things. You're going to be really famous. You're in time magazine. And he's mm-hmm. like, whoa, 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 how did you know any of that? And how did you know about my grandfather? And so she's saying, she's, she ends up kind of convincing him that, you know, this is real and what she's experiencing is real. And he's like, okay, well, um, what do you think happened? Like they start to walk home, I guess, from school. And mm-hmm. he's, as well, I, I think I had a heart attack and I died and like I'm in some sort of weird purgatory. And so he's got this really great idea. He's like, fine, yeah. if you're dead, then you can't die twice. Let's get you in front of a bus. <laughs> and she does it. So she stands there and he's like, you're dead. It's fine. And um, but she gets very scared at the end. She ends up running uh, away from the bus. So she doesn't end up getting squashed. So that's real good. But um, he says, well, you're definitely afraid. You're definitely feeling like you're alive. So, so you might just want to live like you're alive for a little while um, and mm-hmm. let me figure this out, right? She gets home. She's wearing these really great, uh, like this great white sweater and some like uh, kind of golfing pants, but they weren't pants. They weren't golfing pants back then. They were just what people wore. And um, the phone is ringing. She picks up the phone and it is her grandmother. And she kind of has a, has a, has a moment with that because she uh, hasn't talked to her grandmother in a really long time because her grandmother has passed. And yeah, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's, it's a really tough scene <laughs> um, to watch. Kathleen Turner does it so well, you know, when she sees her sister for the first time, she sees her mom for the first time mm-hmm. um, and she hears her grandma's voice. She can't actually 
speak to her. She says, I, 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 I can't, I can't talk to you and her. Yeah. Mom she, yeah. Is, she kind of, she kind of hands the phone off to her mom and, you know, kind of runs up and she's like crying, going up the stairs. Her mom kind of catches up with her and she's like, Oh, I had, I just had a dream that grandma died, you know, cause uh, she's lived this life where her grandmother, you know, has passed away. So, uh, right. so yeah, pretty, pretty uh, jarring to get a phone call from her. Um, I suppose, but yeah, uh, definitely a good scene as far as the uh, acting chops there uh, go. Very believable that that's kind of the reaction you would have. Um, but it gets followed up by a little bit more of a lighthearted scene because you know Charlie's there to uh, pick her up for her date, uh, which is great. So uh, Peggy Susan like talking to her mom. Uh, Charlie's in having to sit down talk with her dad. Um, Peggy Sue's mom brings him like an entire tray of Rice Krispie treats, which is amazing. I wish when I went for dates, I would get entire trays of Rice Krispie treats. It's a party, Brian. They're (laughs) going to a party and she's supposed to give them. They're not all for Charlie. (laughs) But he he just sits there and starts eating them. And that's that's pretty great. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. It's 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 a weird time. I don't know if this existed. I don't know. But in like apparently 1960s, when you went to a party, your mom made you the things that you brought to the part to the party as party favors. I I don't know. Yeah. I never lived in that world. So, um, but Peggy Sue, she at first doesn't want to go to this party, right? And so Charlie's yeah. downstairs while Peggy's like being coaxed to get ready, and her father and Charlie are having this really weird conversation because. Her dad has noticed that she's not behaving right. And he, Charlie has definitely noticed that she's not behaving right, but they both think, I guess it's different, different, a different reason why. And so Mm -hmm. Charlie's or uh, Peggy Sue's father is like, look, show her a good time tonight, but for heaven's sakes, restrain yourself. And so Charlie's like, uh, oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, sir. (laughs) And so it's just real strange again, 1960, very strange time. But I think Charlie, you know, his character is, is, is hard to figure at this point because he's like, I really care about her. And I, I want to, I want to see other people, but I don't want her to see other people. And now her dad's telling me that I can't do anything with her. (laughs) Like I'm getting, what is going on? as he's like eating an entire tray of rice krispie treats it's great yeah exactly so uh they're going to the party he gives her a corsage they go to the party um everyone's just kind of there dancing having a good time at this party um and then the the guy who came out and like announced the prom king and queen at the uh at the high school reunion comes out and he introduces Walter, Leon, Terry, and Charlie. They're coming out. I guess they're trying to be the four tops or something. A little uh, singing group and they come out and do a little performance. And then uh, it leads to some more dancing between uh, Charlie and Peggy Sue. Maybe, uh, maybe some sparks are starting to fly. I don't know because after the party, they get in the car to leave and go home. Uh, and the, uh, the topic of, uh, their first times coming up, uh, and Peggy is like, well, let, let's just do it. <laughs> let's let's, right. let's get down like, to it, I guess. Ready so. to go. Well, now let's, let, let's, you know, she's done this a bunch, right? She's, she's very experienced, right? She's had 25 years of, of experience in this department. And she's like remembering, you know, he, she loved the way he kissed and he's like holding her in this really fabulous car. And she's like, let's go for it. And he's like, what? wait a minute last weekend you were like no way and this weekend what what's happening and it really bothers him um yep. and i watched this 
I never understood this scene before I have to say, and I'd love your mm-hmm. thoughts on it as a, as a guy, Brian, because I don't get it. Cause he's real, real mad at the end. Like he drops her off and he calls her a humiliator. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's apologizing for wanting to do something and being like giving consent. And he's like, no, <laughs> it's late. We're going home. And I'm like, I don't understand it. But I think now, Maybe I, th- I, I think he's his- just just intimidated by a confident woman, I think, is uh, is the issue there. And you probably definitely wasn't expecting it. So uh, it's kind of coming out of left field, probably, because she's probably, you know, in his in his world, she's probably he's probably asked her like a thousand times at this point. Um, and she's probably said no. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's uh, throwing herself at him. So probably just caught him a, a little bit off guard. Um, he's probably a little bit insecure. He strikes me as the insecure type. Um so, so yeah, I think it was uh, just uh, an amalgamation of uh, those kinds of things, I guess. So. Makes sense. I mean, I just thought maybe also because his his soon to be father in law or would would have been father in law was like, don't touch her, leave her alone, and he's like, nah. okay, I don't know. No, nah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that through, went through his mind at all. No, <laughs> no, be, okay, cool. <laughs> it was just the fact that she was like ready to go and confident and and yeah, able to. Okay, cool. All right, well, not cool really, but anyway. So Peggy Sue, um, yeah, he uh, he just drops her off. Cause yeah, she was the uh, humiliator. So uh, she gets out of the car. She's walking home, uh, which uh, even if she did, you could at least still drive her home. But anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know where he off. drops her off. It's not in front of her house. You yeah, definitely not, know that. Yeah. So she's just out walking. Uh, they go by like a cafe, which also looks like a little fun, like high school party going on. So you have like half of the like cafe, this little restaurant thing, like kids are like up on the table, dancing, having a good time, listening to music. And then on the other side, you just see uh, Michael over there looking uh, gloom and brooding and, and reading, reading a book. But uh, she decides that, you know, maybe uh, (laughs) Charlie wasn't uh, in for it. So I guess I'll go in and uh, talk to Michael. Yeah, she like shows up. She's got coffee and donuts and she's uh, very mature in her conversation with him. Right. She just says, hey, I'm really I was really interested and and inspired by what you said uh, in English class today. And he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of talk about Hemingway um, versus, you know, Jack Kerouac, which, of course, is something, you know, it's 1960. So, of course, if you're going to be. Uh, super into writing you would be into that Michael Fitzsimmons is like this total like resonance Uh, so he's so into that like you expect him to be a total beatnik he's Mm -hmm. very very you know he's very cool to her and he's like you're not like all the other girls and she's like yeah I'm a hip chick and (laughs) and so he's like want to get out of here and she's like hell yeah I do (laughs) and so you know of course there's the busybody and some dude that she's been with at uh, at this party earlier they're in the car driving uh, like maniacs and she sees that Peggy Sue is getting on the back of Michael Fitzsimmons motorcycle because of course he has a motorcycle he's super mm-hmm. cool guy right and yep. so she's like oh I can't wait to tell the whole world what's going on um and so you you we we know that that's gonna that's gonna come to fruition later but we end up seeing Peggy Sue and Michael Fitzsimmons um hanging out uh, kind of on this overlook area where you can see the mm-hmm. city and apparently she's found some pot in her dress. And of course she's still thinking like, this isn't happening. This isn't real. So she's like, yeah, this pot's really old. 
and, and I guess it travels well. And he's, you know, smoking a little bit of it. And he's talking to her about poetry and she's like, oh, you're such a great writer. And then he, you know, um, tries to impress her with some really awful writing and it's not good. And so she, uh, she's not impressed by that, but it's a good scene. It's a really good scene because he's very sweet. And I think, uh, they end up spending the night together. And she, she, this was one of the things she had reminisced about in her 25th reunion that she had never, she'd never, you know, gone yeah. to bed with Michael Fitzsimmons. <laughs> it was one, it was one that she was, always wanted to do. That was a cross, cross that off the regret list, I guess. But uh, yeah. So after spending the night with uh, Michael up there on that lookout the next day, she goes to see Charlie at work. Um, and it's at like the appliance shop, but they also have like records there. So uh they get pulled in. It's actually, it's a pretty neat scene because it kind of pulls her into like this uh, like record booth, uh, which is something they used to have where they'd have like little record players set up so you could like like listen to the music, like to get a, an idea of what it sounded like, I guess, before you'd have to buy the record. Um, but they have kind of this conversation about where their their lives are going. I think Charlie at this point's telling her that, you know, uh, his dad's agreed to give him part of the business and uh, that's good. And that's basically sending off, sending you know, that's kind of how the, how the life ends up going, but yeah, they have kind of this conversation about their uh, future together and uh, a little bit about last night and how that went, um, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, <clears throat> you don't know, I, I mean, as, as a person now, I'm like, I, I used to think Charlie was kind of just lost and now I'm like, dude, I, I don't get it. Cause he, he tells her to shush. She's trying to explain. And she says, and he really is like, hush, baby, hush. Like, and I'm like, what the world? But he, he says, you know, I guess guys kind of go through this thing to or girls go through this thing too, where they really want to, you know, go ahead and, and give it the old college try um, mm -hmm. uh, as far as going to bed. But then he, he does, he has this whole thing planned. He's like, you know, the, the music is going to pan out and then we're, we're going to be fine and I'm going to take care of you. And, and she's like, what am I going to do with you? Like, I, I, I don't know what to do with you. And he says, Oh, just cherish me. And the whole time as a person, you're like, I don't, I don't know. It's very strange. He obviously loves her, but you know, she is very much like, I, I, I have to like separate. And it's very hard for her to say that she wants to push him away and start a different kind of life. That's not, one that ends up with him being married to her, but mm -hmm. he just, he just has a way of getting her to kind of come around and uh, realize that she still loves him. So they have kind of this, this moment where they're talking, but yeah, he, he definitely is like, I, I have to tell my father that I don't want to be part of the business. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of what he wants. Um, and maybe I'll do that a little bit, but I really, I, you know, the music is going to pan off and she, she knows because she's been down this road that his music is not going to pan out and he is not going to be the next Dion or the next Fabian, right? That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes. Yeah. So they have kind of this scene at, uh, at his uh, place of work and then you get kind of a little funny scene. She's uh, out walking with Richard and she's just telling him like ideas for inventions, the things that he can make. Right. Cause, cause she's from the future. So she knows about all of these things and what's going to be, uh, you know, you know, things that he could uh, invent to get his fortune. There's a funny scene. She like runs into the lingerie store and to ask about like uh, some kind pantyhose. of like like yeah like pantyhose like stay up pantyhose or something like that. And she runs out. And she's like, and she just like yells it at the street. She's like, they don't have those yet. So they don't have uh, those so yet. Yeah, because she's like, I can make those. I can do that. I can do it. And he, Richard Norvick, is like looking at you know in the 
window because even lingerie stores existed back then that had like you know uh, mannequins and bras mm-hmm. and brassieres and things and this older woman comes by and is like richard looking at women's <laughs> lingerie and he's like no no mrs uh, aberman i i'm looking at the stitching for kite construction i'm doing a report on my kite and she's just it's it's hilarious but then yeah. of course you know she peggy sue comes out and she's like i can make one so she she goes home and she takes some stockings and some like like granny panty underwear and she's starting to sew it together on her bed because she is going to invent pantyhose, which is actually kind of cool. Unfortunately, for the facts of this movie, pantyhose was actually uh, invented in 1959, so she would have missed it, um, but mm. that's neither here nor there. She is in her bed on again in this amazing like Peggy pant and and sweater combination that is gorgeous mm-hmm. and super iconic for 1960 i love it so much and in walks her best friends carol and maddie and they're like oh my gosh what did i hear from this other chick who's been talking this whole time and mm-hmm. uh, a total a total uh, gossip this other girl i can't remember her name she says that you hung out last night with michael fitzsimmons and what happened and and of course Peggy Sue is like, oh, yeah, well, that's fine, right? Because Charlie can go out with whoever he wants to, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then the girls kind of do this crazy th- guilt trip on her. And they're like, well, I thought that I would marry Walter, and he would marry uh, Joey, or whatever his name is, and and you would marry Charlie, and we'd all live on the same house, <laughs> on, and our kids would grow same up street. together. Yeah. And, and what if Michael's not the barbecue type? Oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Poor Peggy Sue. <laughs> because... <laughs> She's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to marry Michael Fitzsimmons, guys. Let's calm down about (laughs) this. Everyone calm down. But you know who is not calm? Because after she has this encounter with her friends, uh, she goes to bed as one one does. Uh, But who like busts into her bedroom? But it's Charlie. He just comes in and starts yelling at her. And then they go down into the basement so they can kind of carry out this conversation. And she, she finally kind of just lays it out for him. She's like, listen, listen, dude, your music, not good. You're not going to go anywhere with that. So you might as well just not even bother. Uh, This is how her life's going to go. So just, just deal with it. This is how things are going. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird scene because I mean, I think he's a about to strangle her with a pillow did you did you yeah. see that oh yeah because <laughs> he's real mad he finds out that she got on the back of this car with michael fitzsimmons he, and she's he gets like, the I, crazy he gets the crazy nicholas cage eyes going and everything <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, and anyway but yes yeah, so she they're down in this basement and she's like i'm trying to save you frustration this isn't gonna happen and he's like you're wrong and you know who are you what you know i've got the face and i've got the teeth i got the eyes i've got the car like and she's like yeah whatever dude um i you know you were never there for me and he's like i'll be there for you and he's like because she's knows where this is all going and she's like i've got to stop you like i've you've got this key to my heart and i've got to close it or else nothing's ever going to be different and so he ends up crying and leaving and he's he's like i'll show you um gonna be better than fabian and she's like whatever and then she has this really cool like hidden spot uh where there's a bunch of cigarettes and i'm not i i'm i'm very anti-smoking okay don't smoke it's not good don't get started it's very addictive don't do it okay 
That being said, I love this scene because she she remembers from 25 years ago where this secret stash is. And she sits there and she's like, oh, my God, I really need a cigarette after that conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's on like the, it's on like the backside of the stairs. But yeah, the the cigarette box is super cool that it's in. It kind of like opens up from both sides and it like V's out. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 And so you, you really think that um, that's pretty much done it. Like they're totally broken up. Um it's, you know, that's fine. So of course, you know, Peggy Sue gets asked by Michael Fitzsimmons to go to a bar and hang out. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting. They, um, you know, back then, I, th- I guess drinking was eight, at, eight, at 18. So it was not a big deal. She gets mm-hmm. a beer, he's drinking and they're on this bar on the edge of town. And there's like a Motown um, kind of blues uh, band playing. And mm-hmm. um Michael's got this really great idea. He's like, you know, as soon as we graduate, we're going to, we're going to go to Utah and yeah. you're going to hang out. Uh, you're going to meet Maria um, or Rita, sorry, Rita, yeah. some chick. And he's like, and she's like, what? And he's like, oh, you'll dig her. It'll be fine. And she has a chicken farm. <laughs> and Yeah. She's like, who's Rita? And he's like, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> she's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? But yeah, you can come out and live with us and it'll be great. And she's like, yeah. She's Hold got on, a chicken slow, farm. Slow, slow the bus. Yeah, you you guys can. I'll write, and you guys can take care of the chickens. And Kathleen Turner, I love it. She's like, I can't do that. And the way she delivers it, and he's like, Why not? Like polygamy is totally legal in Utah. And Peggy Sue just says, I'm allergic to chickens. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> can't and can't can't do and, that but and he's very he's confused at first and he's kind of mad he's like we had passion and we had fire and she's like we did and you should you should go you should go right but not with me like you know mm-hmm. we had one great night and uh you know you'll remember it one day and you'll write about it and uh but i'm not i'm not the one right um which again why is beyond her years right she's in her 40s she's not an 18 year old an 18 year old would probably be like yeah let's go raise chickens it's cool i'm sure i can figure this out um and so in the meantime uh the band started to play and peggy sue recognizes a voice so she kind of lifts her head over the um back of the booth and she sees Mm -hmm. that charlie is singing but she's he's they're not singing with walter and larry and all the other guys right Mm -hmm. he's kind of this face for this um blues band right so there's a Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of other people playing and he's singing and he sounds not bad i mean he definitely sounds better than he did right Mm -hmm. so she's like man i had no idea he did this and he sounds wonderful and of course michael fitzsimmons is like yeah he's great this is awesome can we leave now (laughs) (laughs) right yeah you're not coming with me to utah so can can we stop yeah can can i just go but yeah so so i Peggy Sue never knew about this uh, part of Charlie, I guess. There's an agent there to to see them perform. Um, but yeah, so this was something she didn't know. So the next morning, uh, she goes to Charlie's house to talk to him. Now, remember, yesterday, they just had this big fight um, where he, he came in and she you know, kind of laid down the reality of uh, how their uh, lives were, uh, what direction their lives were going. But she kind of goes over to apologize to him. Um, and he tells her, you know, that there was an agent there, but, you know, turned, turned down the band. So it was never going to happen. He was just going to take over the appliance store or whatever. Um, but she wrote him a song. Um, 
And she asked him if he'll read it. And he says, well, I'll read it if, if you wrote it. Um, a spoiler warning, she did not write it. Uh, I believe that was uh, either Lennon or McCartney wrote the song that, uh, <laughs> that, correct uh, on that, one. that, that she uh, ends up uh, giving to him. But uh, yeah, I guess they, they kind of make amends, I guess, at this point. So, uh, yeah. but, so, and I think, you know, now she's, she's kind of, like I said, she's ticked off the, the box of wanted two halves with Michael. She's kind of, I guess, reconciled with, with Charlie to some degree. So uh, she's, she's ready to go. She's done being in her high school land. So she goes into school, into the library to see Richard. And she's like, I need to need to go time to go time to go back. Time to go back. And so she's like, you know, I, and he, he's, he's got a great idea for Richard. I love him. I love, I, he's played so well um, by Barry Miller. Cause He's, he's a perfectly like sensitive. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? And she says, look, uh, my, I'm driving my parents crazy. I dri- my friends don't know who I am right now. I miss my kids. I need to go home. She said, you know, I got pregnant at 18 and that's why Charlie and I had to get married. I, you know, and in her head, it makes sense. She's written him. She's given him this really amazing song. It's done by some really amazing people that three years later, make it on the Ed Sullivan show. So he's going to be fine. She's going to make it so that his, his, you know, career takes off. She says, I'm about to turn 18. I have to leave. Like there's only one way this is going to go and it's not going to go well for me. I got to get out of here. And then of course, Richard's like, well, change your, change your destiny and marry me. And it makes me really sad because she's like, I don't want to marry anybody. But yeah. I do wonder if she'd said yes, man. Oh, so whimsical. Anyway, nerds are great. Everybody should 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 marry nerds. Anyway, it's awesome. Should have happened. But what she does instead is she says, I'm going to go see my grandparents because she has not seen them yet. Right. Her mother, her grandmother mm-hmm. called. She wouldn't take the call. She was really freaked out by that. But she does recognize that um, they are still alive in this universe that she's in. And so she mm-hmm. needs to go visit them. So, um, you know, as as she's going to do that and making plans to do that, Charlie kind of shows up and says, you know, hey, um, I uh, I want to I want to I want to have you listen to the song that you wrote me. I, I worked on it and I changed <laughs> Made some, some of the changes. Lyrics. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I changed the use to me's and the she's to use and. And the ooze to the the yaz yeah, so, to ooze, says, and so he basically yeah he says I I changed the yaz to ooze, so she loves you ooh ooh ooh, and it's like the worst thing you've ever heard in your whole life. <laughs> it's so bad, it's so bad, and so poor thing. She's like, yeah, I um yeah, that sounds great. I'm gonna see my grandparents, and he's like, I got I got um I. I had got, he'd gotten her tickets to Fabian because that's what he wanted to do for her birthday. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. then he was like, "Never mind, we're not going to do that. We'll go to a restaurant. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go see my grandparents. So he's actually, again, really sad. Um, mm-hmm. But she's goes and, and her granddad picks her up and takes her to back to the family home. And again, there's this really amazing score. Um, I'm surprised that this actually didn't get a score nomination um you know or any sort of accolades for the score because it is really beautiful and um there's a great montage of things that you probably any any of us think about when we think about our grandparents house um Mm -hmm. you know there's old photos and there's old things it's it's, it and it's it's you know a lot of wallpaper (laughs) and you know it's very reminiscent of everything 
that you, you know, comfortable, like a very comforting kind of place. It sets the stage up nicely. Yeah. And her grandparents are pretty cool. So she gets, she gets to their house and I think her grandma says something about like, Oh, your mom, you're, I heard you had a dream that I died. And, you know, Peggy Sue's like, I wish my mom wouldn't have said anything to you. And her grandma says something, something odd. She's like, that's okay. I've died a bunch of times or something like, or something says, like, oh, I'm not scared at all. I know exactly when I'm going to die. And her husband says, well, when is it going to be 70, you know, 75 or 80. And, um, <laughs> and he's, he's, you know, she's like, oh, I'm psychic. I'm very psychic. I know exactly what's going to happen. And, and yep. they kind of start to have this very loving conversation around some very kind of mystical things. And mm-hmm. so Peggy Sue, you know, it's dark, it's storming outside. There's a lot of wind. In fact, in the scene, the door like opens and it never shuts. So I'm like, are, I didn't even notice that until I watched it this time where I'm like, someone, <laughs> yeah, someone going to shut the front door. Someone should shut the front door. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it's another one of those things. Yeah. It has, it, it cuts to the door blowing open from the storm and you're like, Oh, something mystical must be a, a foot or something like that. But uh, nothing really happens of the door, but uh, kind of after she has this conversation, <laughs> conversation, she goes with her, grandpa to the lodge meeting now her grandma knows that the lodge meeting is just where they can uh you know play cards and talk about women but uh you know of course it's it's not like that he's going to take take peggy sue there uh because good news uh the lodge he is a member of is a time traveler's lodge which makes total sense total sense i mean like (laughs) they they do this really cool they all wear hats because it's a lodge right it wouldn't be a lodge without hats but they do these weird like hand signals and they're like oh this whole church was founded or built by a time traveler and we all believe your story because she tells them the story right that she's from the future and they say okay we're gonna you know send universe send peggy sue back to her time and you know it's a really bad storm out so the lights go out for probably yep. about a minute. And, and she's like, and she's wearing an awesome gold cape during the ceremony. She is wearing this really great gold cape. Again, it's it's probably the other side of the dress because one side was silver <laughs> aluminum and the other side is gold. Other side aluminum. was gold. It's very yeah, like shimmery. Um, co- costume choices, just amazing. Anyway, so the 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 lights go out, the lights come back on. She's nowhere to be found. So her whole the whole area of people, the whole like congregation of this cult or whatever is like yeah it worked no problem <laughs> it worked. it's all done let's let's play cards <laughs> yeah they're like the women are gone let's get the get out the cards or something something obnoxious but yeah she's gone but she did not travel in time uh it's just that charlie came in and abducted her and kidnapped her and took her out and they end up in this greenhouse because it's storming outside they can't the car's not starting or something they can't get into the car uh so they end up in this greenhouse um and you know i guess uh you know what do you do after you abduct your uh girlfriend ex-girlfriend oh, she's livid. Uh, she's so mad. you know whatever i guess but uh you know he's not reading the room quite right decides that this is the best time to propose to her so. <laughs> yeah. yeah he picks her up she's like what are you doing my grandfather was in that room and she was like and he was like i was saving you and 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 i have to tell you something and she's like what are you telling me you've got like a minute like i gotta go back in and he says, I quit. Uh, I told my dad I was going to quit singing and he gave me 10% of the business. Like right now uh, I can support you. You were scared and I get it. And you're more important to me than anything. And I don't need to sing. Um, let's get married. And she's like, I am 
so confused. Like I may be crazy, but I'm not, no, absolutely not. I'm not marrying you twice. And he's like, what do you mean? And so then again, she's like, you weren't there for me. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, I can't, I just can't do this. It's too crazy. I can't. And then he kind of resigns himself to say, okay, okay. I'm, I, I don't know what else you want me to do. Like I'm, I thought this was what you wanted and I'm really sorry. And, um, And then he's like, I got to go save my car because remember it's a convertible and it's pouring outside. And he's been in here talking for like three minutes. So the car is completely screwed, but he's like, I got to go save my car, but I, here's a birthday present for you. And it's like this little package and she's opening it as he's kind of leaving the frame. And it's a great, great, um, again, cinematography. I love this scene because of where, where the camera angle is. So mm-hmm. she she opens the box and the box kind of falls away and in her hand is this locket. And uh, again, the music starts playing and she's like, oh my gosh, it's the locket that she thought she lost that you know everyone else remembers the day she got this locket. And she's like, How, where did you get this? Where did you get this? And he's like, it's your birthday present. I gave it to you just now. And she opens it up and it looks like her children, like Scott and Beth. And she's like, how did you, where did you get this? And he's like, it's you and me. I got the, I got your baby picture from your mom. You know this, like, these are you and me. And she's like, oh my God. And she realizes that everything is actually meant to be the way it's supposed to be. She loves him. And, um, they, you know, kind of fall into each other's arms and the rain is pouring. And I guess the car dies because he never makes it out there. Yeah. So his uh, his amazing car is ruined, but I guess their uh, love has been saved. And about this time, uh, she's going to kind of go back into her dream state. You see kind of like inner interwoven with the reunion and people reacting to her passing out. And, you know, it kind of ends up with her waking up um, in a hospital back in uh, present day. And, uh, you know, Charlie's in the room with her and uh, yep. her daughter's uh, there in the room yeah. with her she i guess had you know a, back to back to present day uh, this, present this bad dream this bad dream or time travel or whatever this was uh has has come to a conclusion that's right so she kind of wakes up he's singing peggy sue to her he looks awful um not the best makeup job i mean they to be fair he is 10 years younger than her. Uh, Nicholas Cage is 10 years younger than Kathleen Turner. And he had to look like 50 for this film. So mm-hmm. they, they did a lot of work on him, but um, he is, he looks awful. He has not uh, left her side since, um, since she passed out and she passed out a couple of days ago, they found some weird heart murmur or something. And so everybody's there. You see like kind of a, a, a montage of her mom who now looks much older, her father who looks much older. They mm-hmm. were all at her side. Her daughter is there. Um, and you know, she's waking up and he's like, Oh my God, are you okay? Um, I would give anything to, to fix this. And she says, you know, I, I had this weird experience. I dreamt I went back to high school and I saw you and, um, he says, yeah, I can't, you know, he kind of reminisces and, um, she says, you know, I spent this whole time trying to get away from you and to push you away and you just wouldn't give up. And he says, I won't ever give up. You know, can we please try again? And she's like, nah, no, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to need some time. And, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about was uh, she asked her granddad 
uh, if he could go back in time, what he would do differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, you know, I've taken better care of my teeth. But one of the things that he does say is, you know, it's it's your mother's it's your grandmother's strudel that has kept the family together um, because, you know, they know that she knows kind of when they pass. And she says, you know, when you guys pass, um, the whole family kind of disappears like they we kind of I'll never see the cousins again. Mm-hmm. And so when he's, you know, flash forward to, you know, this scene where she's in this wheel uh, wheelchair, she's in a hospital bed and he's like, you know, holding her hand. Um, he said, you know, she says, I really need some time. I need some time to think. And he says, okay. Um, but she looks around the room. She sees all these flowers. She says, where, where are all these from? And he says, oh, everybody, everybody that was at the reunion, you know, all these people. And, and Hey, um, you even got a package. It's a book called the pilgrim soul. And it was that it was by that guy that we knew. Remember that guy, Michael Fitzsimmons, he, Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote this book and he dedicated it to you. And she's like, Oh no, it couldn't, couldn't have been me. I hardly knew him, you know, but it, um, it, it opens and it says to Peggy Sue in a starry night. Uh, so you, you know, you, you get a feeling that maybe she, she, it wasn't a dream. Maybe she did really go back in time and maybe she changed a few things, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she didn't change the big things. Right. So she still got married and everything. And so she, she kind of takes a breath and then asks uh, Charlie, if he would like to come to her house or to his, you know, to his house and see his kids and she would make a strudel and they could maybe figure things out. And so they have a big moment where they, they embrace and then Beth played beautifully by Helen Hunt comes in. Uh, it's her daughter. And they kind of all hold hands because you think that they're reconciling at last. Yeah. And that is how Peggy Sue got married comes to a close. Uh, so I guess all, all things are resolved through a, uh, a trip down memory lane. So Michaela, take us down your memory lane. Peggy Sue got married 1986 uh, to uh, this, now, this seems like something you would have watched uh, pretty early on, um, you know, as as a, uh, a growing up uh, yeah. kiddo. Uh, tell us tell us about it. So I think my parents were probably still married the first time I saw this. I, I, I it's it's definitely something my mom liked. My mother really liked this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I always say that she kind of reminded me on a really good day of Kathleen Turner in this because the way, just the cadence of the way she speaks and things. Um mm-hmm. So I, I, it, it came into the theaters. I wouldn't have seen it in the theaters. I don't think that would have happened, but I, you know, we did a lot of home video and movie rental and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely saw it probably, I want to say 1987, 1989, something around there. And okay. um, I really loved it. I thought that this was a really intelligent, very more emotionally based kind of time travel movie. This came out around the same time that Back to the Future did. But Back to the Future was just much more kind of funny and it was more kind of slapstick, like focusing on, um, you know, the kind of physical humor around how, how do we, you know, how do we change how the future is impacted by our past mistakes and the things that we do and all of that. And this was much more mm-hmm. of a, you know, kind of so- sobering thought process around if you, you know, regret <laughs> And do you really regret something or once you think through it and you really experience it, you know, you really realize that you wouldn't regret anything, you know? Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I've seen this, gosh, a ton of times. I haven't seen it, gosh, in a while though. It's probably been since before my mommy passed um, that I hadn't seen Mm -hmm. it. So it was good to see it again. Um, I definitely, I, I'm a big sap with, with this movie. So there were a couple scenes that I cried in still (laughs) just because I'm a big sap, but I just love the way that it's shot too. Um, Yeah. You know, when we talk about this mirror thing at the end, you know, when, when they're in the hospital room, it ends, it ends up kind of panning out and you see that what we saw was supposed to be through this mirror and this looking glass. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's, it's sort of, it's like a romantic comedy almost um, that if you, if we just talk about what it's about, you're going to not think much of it, but it, Francis Ford Coppola added such a really neat dynamic to the way it was filmed. Um, mm-hmm. I think it just kind of puts it in a different category. What, what about you? I've talked enough. What about you? Yeah. yeah. So I, I had never seen this until, um, you know, just this week when I watched it for this, this review. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. I actually, I like the movie a lot. I like the dialogue. I like kind of the, the quippy, like quirky moments that it has. I like that she's very believable as, you know, if someone you or I's age just went back into like living at high school um, at our parents' house, like what, what that would be like. So that is uh, very, very believable. Um, I think some of it's a little disjointed. Um, you kind of mentioned how it went through a series of directors and which makes me wonder how Coppola kind of finally landed on on doing this, this uh, exactly. Um, but I think that that gives it a a kind of leg up because it is shot so beautifully. Um, that's you know one of the things that that's Godfather and Godfather Part Two apart are you know the cinematography and the way he's able to to kind of craft these shots to tell the story. So um, not that this is the Godfather or the Godfather Part Two, but uh, you can see kind of the the influence that he had in the filmmaking on this. Um, but yeah, I I liked the the movie overall. Kathleen Turner is great in it. Um, it's fun to see kind of you know, Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey and Helen Hunt, like as youngsters playing in these roles. Um, I will say that I don't love the overall messaging of the story because Charlie was a jerk. He was a bad husband. He cheated on her. And then at the end, she's like, oh, it's fine. This, this is supposed to be this way. You know, no big deal. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, why? I, I It was hard because, you know, he does say he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not seeing her name was Janet. He says, Oh no, I couldn't. She's really young and I couldn't translate to her anymore. She thought the big bopper was a hamburger or something. And, uh, and I guess, so that's okay. Um, I don't know. I think she would, I think for me, when I rewatch it, the reason why she decided to go ahead and give in Mm -hmm. to Charlie, not give in, that sounds kind of bad, but the reason why she decided to go ahead and, and let herself love Charlie as a kid again was because of Scott and Beth. And she realized that if she changes things, she won't have Scott and Beth anymore. And for right or wrong or better or worse, you know, that, that, that was her life. And she, she, she needed to do that in order to have that experience. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. She but, she wakes she wakes up in the hospital and she has Scott and Beth and she also has a soon to be ex husband that cheated on her and was a terrible husband. She's like, oh, oh happy oh, happy yeah. family now. No, you know, no, no I big mean, deal. So I I kind of just had I I wasn't in love with the story. 
uh, that was going on. But I I liked the film as a film, but but the story was was not my favorite. I will say. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I get I get your point around how well she decides as an adult to go ahead and invite him back, you know, to the house and forgive him. I don't know. Relationships are weird, right? I mean, people who've been married a really long time, they can be really wonderful all the time. I guess, I guess. I don't know. I I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've not been married 25 years, so I don't I don't know. But I imagine that a lot of forgiveness is probably in the cards. Now, whether it's forgiveness over something that big, like cheating on you is a different thing, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it's fair. It's a fair assessment, Brian. I appreciate your thought on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, let us, let us know what your thoughts are on that and what your thoughts are on Peggy Sue got married. Um, if you watched this, uh, comedy time travel romp back in, uh, 1986, let us know, or if you've never watched it, let us know what, what you think about it, or let us know, uh, if you think that Nicolas Cage is awesome. And while you're watching it, you should definitely drink a Peggy Sue. So let us know if you make one of those up and let us know how you liked that. Um, and take pictures of it and tag us on, you know, on all the social medias. So you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. If you want to see pictures of our Peggy Sue, um, our episode recap, um, links to all that pictures, recipes, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And if you think that, uh, Peggy Sue was great and you think that we are also great, we'd appreciate it. If you left us a review, Michaela, where should they go do that? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. I'd really appreciate it. We would both appreciate it if you left us a five-star review after you subscribe to us. Um, even if you didn't like Peggy Sue Got Married, we got a lot of other stuff coming up this year. It's going to be awesome. So please uh, subscribe, leave us a review because it helps us get uh, the Drink the Movie stuff out there. We're really appreciative of the community that we're building, um, of a lot of movie lovers, drink lovers out there. So uh, come join us. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Even if you don't love the movie, it's a lot of fun, right, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, I guess you know, Peggy Sue got married, uh, passed out. I went back in time, came back to the future. Um, and that's that's how I feel after watching this and drinking my Peggy Sue. But now that I'm back in present day, my Peggy Sue is empty and I need another one. Yep. We all need another one. So let's uh, let's get some more chartreuse going on and make it happen. All right. Well, we're going to go do that and we're going to pick a movie for next week. And we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the, the movies. movies. That's not giving blood. That's drunk. <laughs>